If you're looking for a new podcast to try, how about Planet Money? One thing people say about Planet Money is how much they love listening to it, even though they don't care about business or economics. It's just a smart show with great stories that help explain your world. Find Planet Money on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. You're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. Today, we're going to play an interview I did at the Alamo Drafthouse in San Francisco on Thursday after screening the new film Blade Runner 2049. I spoke with actor Jared Leto. Let's take a listen. All right, yeah. so let's get started. Can I ask you some questions? Sure. Or you can just go on. It's fine. No, it was fun to play the world's first trillionaire. That was really a blast. Yeah, that was good. So let me ask you, you were saying that this is the bummer future, essentially. Do you? No, no, I didn't say that. It's a good future? No, I haven't seen the movie, so you've got to tell me. Okay. Uh, but I'm, I'm assuming from the music I just heard in the credits, it was slightly dark. Yes, and you, you come off. I'm trying to figure out who you were going for here. Were you going for, like... Mark Zuckerberg slash Travis Kalanick slash Larry Ellison, or what was your... I just took it straight to the devil. You took it straight to the devil. So no, I don't know. I mean, it was beautifully written, and it was uh, a pleasure to play the part. This is a guy who saved the world from starvation and has a very clear idea of what it's going to take in order for civilization to continue. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. I do have some friends uh, in the tech world that I may or may not have based certain aspects of this character on. Can you tell us? Who Absolutely not. Not, not at all. No. I'm, I can guess with a couple of I'm them. I'm sure you could. So what were you, when you're saying he's trying to create civilization, do you think that concept is in Silicon Valley, this idea that they know better for the world? Now, you spend a lot of time in tech. You're, you're quite a techie. You make investments, is that right? Um, yeah. What are you invested in? Just a few things. Such as? I have uh, about 52 tech investments. and in something. Yeah. So I, I've, I'm probably, you know, um, invested in, in many of the companies uh, that you guys are familiar with up here, but, or some of you that may be here. And thank you for that. But it's been an amazing part of my life for about a decade now, investing and learning more about that. And it's really exciting because I'm a curious person and I love to learn and I get to work with some of the smartest people in the world who are changing things, I think, for the better, for uh, the most part. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, close to home in a, in a little, in a, in a way. I want to get to the movie in a second, but when you were... 10 years ago, why did you start investing? Because a lot of actors do, but they don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're sort of... What was your impetus I, I for doing it? I think because I made... And I, and I make music. I'm in a band that I was forced to be, uh, you know, a de facto uh, amateur marketer, amateur digital uh, and social uh, uh, explorer in the early days. Uh, I mean, we were signed in 1998, and I think our band had one of the very first... A websites at the record company and we had the very first uh, with the very first to ask for a message board they actually didn't know how to do it at the time and mm -hmm. it, it was the beginning of a you know an education for me and I just found it really fascinating and, and I'm not exclusively a tech investor I love to invest in other things as well but I just I like to learn and I'm passionate about 
that, and I get a chance to uh, be around really smart, creative, interesting people, and I see a lot of commonality uh, with what they do and with, with what I do. In music? In music and in film and, and in other things. I mean, I see a lot of art in, in the business up here, and uh, I love the optimism. I love the, the fact that the, the impossible uh, isn't something uh, that you shouldn't chase after, and in fact, the impossible is oftentimes something you can make a reality. So some of the, lately, some of the stories around Silicon Valley are not as positive, not, whether it be cultural issues, whether it be where it's, where it's well, Russia. I, I would just push back and say that's probably the entire fucking world right now. Yeah, okay. All right, uh, I would agree with I you. Mean, it's, I mean, we, there's a little bit of that in politics, too. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think that's a reflection of tech. I think there's a brighter light that's shined on tech right now because people are fascinated about it because it's a part of all of our lives. I mean, mm -hmm. we're all connected. We're all kind of bioengineered in a way because we're just we're tied to technology incessantly. And it touches our lives in, in every way possible from, you know, the glasses on your face to the, the design of your shoes to the microphone or the computer to the screen to the lights in the room. I mean, so it's what all, is that? I mean, I think the... the the reason people are reflecting is because a lot because of politics, because they feel like social media, which you've been very active on, it has been weaponized, that there's parts um, that are now being manipulated and everything. And this sort of feeds into this idea of this world, which is a t a utterly, completely either fabricated world or a, a world that runs almost entirely on tech or where everything is built around tech, where your companions are not real or they are real, your memories are real or they're not real. Did you think about it a lot with this movie? Because, I, you know, the original Blade Runner kind of brought in these ideas of this dystopian future brought on by technology, really. Or maybe yeah. not, maybe just humanity. Yeah. Uh, I'm a bit more optimistic. Okay. I think that, you know, there... The, I'm sorry, I just watched this two-hour movie. No, I know, I know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and you aren't very nice in the movie, let me no. just be clear. No. He's not, you know what's incredible though? I see that people, like I was in LA at the screening and I walked in the party afterwards and people were like just giving me this look of like, you know, <laughs> usually it's like, ah, good job, it's you. And people yeah. are just like, I don't want to talk to that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But in reality, all I did was break, I broke a couple of iPhones. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're not, I didn't kill any real people, did I? I mean, maybe. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So the they just look like us, so what are you so upset about? Okay. I just <laughs> smashed my iPhone. I have thousands of them. It's up to me if I want to smash them or not. <laughs> so you really got into the character here, I see. I don't think he's uh, that bad a guy. You don't think he's that bad a guy? Well, he Why? saved the world from starvation. You can't pick and choose your villains, I guess. I see. Okay. And yet, the, when you went into the party, people were like horrified It's and because terrified. they're humans and they don't understand. Okay. Um, what was going on with your eyes in the movie? My eyes, it's actually uh, an interesting story. I worked with a guy named Chris from an organization called Junior Blind in Los Angeles, and he was incredible. He taught me about blindness. He lost his sight at a very young age, and he was one of these really special people that have a heart of gold, and it's, it's super sweet, and you just fall in love with him as soon as you meet him. So he was kind of my guide, and his eyes were beautiful, um, they were scarred by a surgery and we modeled his a portion of his eyes um, after him, the character. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just has, he, had, he has these really brilliant eyes like there's lights, a light coming from them. 
But it was a wonderful experience to be that close and to spend time with him because he taught me a lot and he shared with me uh, his world and I was really, I'm really grateful to him. Which is kind of interesting that you then turned it into a malevolent asshole yeah. um, with, that, well, with that look. But what were you doing with, with the That's eyes? what you would say. Uh, I, I get know, it. It's, I have a, a you human, have an optimistic human, view of iPhone. Small color. thinking. All right, small thinking. But what were you doing with the, what, was, what were you trying to communicate with the eyes and then the, what was the thing in his neck? The thing in his neck is uh, kind of a, a, a version of eyes. It's it's a bit of an upgrade. I mean, you, there are different ones for different purposes. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, depending on what's happening, you can kind of plug in. Yeah, I was seeing there was a and, box of them. Yeah, yeah, certainly. So and he was trying to see the iPhone he killed there with that knife who looked sure, like a lady, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so that was just eyes. I think that what he's able to do without his eyes and mm-hmm. what he's able to do uh, with technology is actually um, for him to be able to see more, to see deeper, to see things that you wouldn't be able to see with just your eyes. Because of course, in the, in he could have his eyes replaced. Right. But I think that he's learned to live in this way and he actually prefers it. Yeah. And what do you think happens to him after this movie? God, I wish I knew. I mean, yeah. Because you would think there would be a scene where he gets killed or something, but his replicant gets killed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the world of Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. For me, it was was a life-changing experience seeing the original film, and Mm -hmm. it really was one of my favorite films that I've ever seen. Uh, I've recommended it to a thousand people. I've seen it a hundred times. And... uh, uh, for me, it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope they continue to make uh, Blade Runner films. I hope that there is, you know, there are a lot of films and uh, that they continue to make that we wish they didn't mm-hmm. uh, continue to make, naming no names. Uh, uh, so I, I think the world, the universe, is ripe for some healthy exploration, and and I hope they continue the stories. And this idea of, um, we're going to have a couple more questions, and I don't know if there's any questions. I don't think we have things for questions from the audience, but this idea of replicants and the idea of slavery and whether they're free or not and what happens when we get to that point. Now, I think we're not even close to creating robots that are in this, essentially cyborgs, I guess, or replicants. How do you look at the idea that they are not seen as anything but slaves? Like the, I think he said, we got tired of slaves. Yeah, we lost our we lost appetite. Our appetite for, for slaves, slaves, so we created ones yeah. that are, which you call an iPhone, which yeah. is vaguely disturbing. How do you look at that idea of when we create these things? But which is, I, I love that the film is so impactful that it, you know, you have it uh, you got me. involved uh, well, uh, with that, and and it is true. And of course, I'm joking from my character's yeah, point of view. I think in the future, it's it's debatable. You know, how how do we treat th- things when 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 something has the ability to think or have an opinion uh is it life you know where does life begin where does it end we're arguing about that every single day right uh still uh so i think it's going to be a complicated issue in the future and i'm glad i don't have to have the responsibility of dealing with that okay is that uh, like i'm going to be dead so it doesn't matter yeah or, yeah no i i mean i think it's 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 I think that that isn't so far away, I mean, honestly. So do you imagine that that machines do have... uh, He was saying you did fine. I think it was Robin Wright that was saying you did fine without a soul. But he clearly is very soulful. He has a relationship with the hologram 
um, a very deep relationship with the hologram. Um, and it, I remember, I think we met once when we were talking about her, Spike Jones was around and talking about the idea of falling in love with just a voice. Do you imagine that we have to be, sort of rethink what that soul is? Well, of course, he was programmed to have uh, yeah. those thoughts or emotions, if you want to call them that. But I think maybe it's interesting to to look at the perspective as of, well, regardless of if that thing is alive or dead, what is the relationship that the people have around with it? Mm-hmm. And how does that, how would that affect them as well? I mean, because certainly you could take uh, something that's not um, organic and, and have, uh, as I suppose in the future, some quite, quite a bit of emotion or mm-hmm. uh, affection for that. So, yeah. The relationship with Hologram was particularly interesting, which was created by your character. Um, how did you look at, when you were, you didn't, weren't in that part of the movie, but the concept of, you had a very strong relationship with your replic, the replicant who did all the killing for you, or did your bidding, essentially. How do you look at those relationships when you, when you think about them? When you were doing the movie, how did you consider that, your replicant, for example? Well, when you take on a role, you become part uh, an investigator, researcher, uh, and, and, and if there aren't questions that are answered in a film, you make them up or you, you do some kind of uh, educated guessing and you start to build a little bit more truth so that when you do the scenes and, and you're acting with people, you have a, a greater sense of a relationship there. And uh, you, you, you try to expand that as much as possible so that you can always have a sense of truth when you're uh, uh, in your scenes and in playing your role. So just a couple more. You, when you are thinking about this is optimistic, you're optimistic about the future, this is not an optimistic picture. What do you imagine the optimistic future is for tech or how it fits in our society? We have self-driving cars coming, could save lives, positive, negative all these people lose their jobs, uh, positive, we have AI, negative, all these people lose their jobs, or it replaces us in some way. People love or, social media at the same yeah. time. We have, we Or it shifts and there are other jobs. I think right. that people always find a way to be busy. Okay. I mean, I think that we're all, uh, you know, obsessed with being productive mm-hmm. and, and that we find new ways to dream. And uh, in order to accomplish those dreams, it takes the efforts of so many of us uh, so I, I, I don't necessarily think that just because, you know, we're, we're, we're driving and we're not on horseback that there are less jobs now because of that. You know, the automation or the industrial revolution didn't lead to less jobs. It led to more jobs. So I think that probably will continue for some time. But I'm just an artist. What do I know? Well, you seem to know a lot. <laughs> you Sorry, have 52 guys. There's someone really smart out there. Or you could probably well, answer that better actually, than me. You actually have 52 more investments than I have in yeah. tech. So, so you might be a little intelligent about it. I'm After guessing. all these years? Are After, you kidding I know, me? I'm a, I'm I figured idiot. you had at least a billion dollars under your mattress. I should have. I've yeah. turned down jobs at every internet yeah. company there was. I'll never forget. I think Jeff Bezos one time, you should work here. I was like, oh, why would I want to do that? I'm a reporter. <laughs> it was in, I think he had four employees at the time. Uh, that was a bad decision on my part. So I'm going to finish up talking about the concept of like how you feel as an artist today. And you're a musician. You wanted to, you've directed your videos. How right now, I was just down in Los Angeles for a few days, and I still felt like the real gulf was still there between entertainment and tech, the still push-pull of what's happening. You have Apple and Netflix and Google and Facebook thinking about making content. 
these companies getting, Amazon getting very deeply into content. As a person who makes both movies and music and is an actor and wants to be a director and obviously is, likes technology, which is unusual, I think, for still a lot of people down there. Do you think the gulf has widened or is it coming together? How do you look at it? No, I think that it's absolutely uh, coming together. There are so many people, look, you change or you die. And I think that message is pretty clear to Hollywood. Uh, and, you know, as a musician, uh, the music business was the canary on the coal mine. I mean, we were, the business was just devastated. But it's uh, we have growth again, and um, and it's in much better shape than it's been for a very long time. And music is living on digital platforms, and the future is here, and it's streaming. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so I think we've all been forced to pay attention, and I think the movie business has learned a lot from the music business. And I think that probably, you know, a lot of the people in this room um, have relationships or deal with people uh, that are in the entertainment industry. And there are a lot of people that worked at record companies that are now, now working at Apple and or Spotify, and uh, I think there's a lot more connectivity between the two. In music, what about movies and how you think about As you're, you're an actor, you've been lots of different movies. Um, how people are watching, how kids are watching, how people are shifting, are you, do you imagine that changing a lot of how you make your art? I think so. I think uh, it, it, there's a lot of opportunity to tell stories in ways that we, we've never imagined before. And, you know, since everyone's here, uh, there's, there's a, it's exciting. It's a really exciting time. You can break a lot of rules. I mean, you know, I think a television, if you want to even call it that, uh, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or whatever else, it's better than it's ever been. I think there are better quality uh, uh, series than there have ever been before and in greater abundance. And I think that, you know, there's all kinds of short form content that people are making that's absolutely incredible. Um, not just Charlie bit my finger or annoying orange, you know, we're kind of moving into a different uh, era. Thank you for the juggle. It's an exciting time, but I'm optimistic. I mean, I think there is a dystopian view of the future that we could have had 20 years ago that, oh my God, we're all gonna be in the internet and everyone's gonna be never, no one's ever gonna talk to each other. But actually, you think that, you know, overall, social media has led to more connectivity, uh, people finding other like-minded people, people being able to have a voice without getting permission from a gatekeeper. Uh, and that's incredible. And I think that's been pervasive uh, all over the world. And, and what do you see? I, I'm sorry to look at the next. I literally did just watch a two-hour movie of hell. Um, <laughs> but what do you see as the next? Because we also have a president that uses Twitter in a really divisive way. We've got yeah. possibilities of manipulation. We've got people engrossed in, me, in social media all the time, not engrossed in each other. Do you, what do you, he, this, guy, this guy in the movie that you're playing, whoever you conceived him to be, he thought he knew better. And a lot of people in Silicon Valley think they know, but this, mm. it'll be good once you drink the Soylent. Is anybody drinking the Soylent here? Hands up. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wrong with you people. It's more efficient, Kara. I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, is there anything you see, Liz? This guy sort of sees the future. He, this is the way we have to be in order to survive. Yeah. Um, what, is there anything you're worried about when you think about investing, when you think about other things? Again, I, I am uh, optimistic. I think if you look at the statistics, 
you'll see that the world, I'm not saying everything is perfect or we don't have, you know, the, 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 the people that, uh, not everyone has everything that they want or need or deserve. That's absolutely certain. But I think if you look at the number of people that are in poverty or the number of uh, people that, that had no opportunity, you know, a hundred years ago or the infant mortality rate or whatever kind of gauge or statistic would be meaningful, I think you'll find there's a, there's growth in a, uh, generally in a better direction, mm -hmm. I think. I mean, someone else probably has uh, more information than I do, but that's what I, that I think is, is true. I've also been super fortunate, so it's easy for me to say that, and there are a lot of people suffering out there. But I do think overall, what technology is, is aiding us, and efficiency is always a great thing, whether it's in design, and uh, you know, I know you've talked to Steve Jobs about mm -hmm. this a mm -hmm. uh, hundred times, is that you know, there's some beauty. In nature, the most efficient wins, right? And I think that w whether it's self-driving cars or some other technology, uh, that makes us more efficient, that's better for us, it's better for the planet, it's better for everything and everyone. And is that what you were trying to channel with, with Wallace? Me? No, yeah. I didn't write the script. I mean, had I written the yeah, script, but maybe it would have been a little quiet. more sunshine. I don't yeah, know. You played it a certain uh, way. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what you do. I mean, I, I think, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm not speaking for my character, I think when you're an actor, you always try to f understand... The bad guy never thinks he's the bad guy. Right. You know, there's the always, guy? we did what we had to do. But yes, if I, if I take that hat off, the antagonist of the film is Neander Wallace. Of course. That's his role in the movie. But it's not so defined. I mean, I think that, you know, uh, as far as the script and, and how I read it, you know, it's not just black and white. I don't think everyone is just a hero or a villain in this movie. And I think that's true to real life. Which is what you were going for here? I, th I think a little bit. I mean, I, I would contradict myself to contradict myself and say that there are some absolute evil people in the world, but I'm not sure Neander is absolutely evil. Well, so you have to see the next one to find the out. Next if there is, one, is there a next one, one coming? I don't know. Are, are you hoping for it? Wallace returns. I hope so because I think this group of people that made this film, the cinematographer, the director, the, the musical genius who did the score, the actors, it's a very a really beautiful group of people and I, I would love just to see what they would do if, whether I was a part of it or not. All right. And what are you working on next? Oh, just a couple of things. Such I put, as? Well, I put out a like new... Like a state secret? Or what? No, not exactly. But just been, you know, supporting and promoting this film. Put a new song out. Have a new sing uh, album coming out very soon. On tour. Announcing a, a, a global tour in, in a week. Um, and uh, doing a lot of things. Yeah. And can I get... One of the questions I did want to ask you, I, I've forgotten, is you play sort of outlier characters in your career, a, a lot of them. Do you pick those particularly... I always look for things that I find fascinating, things that I think will be challenging, because I believe the more challenging, the greater the reward. And I always look for a script I think is compelling with a director I think is really incredible and a cast that's I would be excited to work with. It's pretty much that simple. It doesn't always work. You can get the best group of people in the world together and end up with a total pile of shit. Uh-huh. It was pretty incredible. The a lot of the sets were real; they weren't CGI, which is different uh, because quite a bit of uh, filmmaking that happens now is green screen. Definitely. But they built what they call practical sets, 
and uh, which they should call impractical sets, probably. But it was amazing because when I walked onto set, I couldn't see because the contacts obstructed my vision completely, um, which was really helpful when I was doing the scenes. It it added a greater sense of like what was what was could be actually happening. Um, but when I walked into the set, they actually built that walkway. They had the water there, mm-hmm. and they had these giant walls, and I couldn't see them, but I could hear them. So it felt like I was walking into a cathedral, uh, and it was powerful because even if you whispered, your voice carried across the room, and it added a real uh, great sense of truth in the scenes. And I tell you, the scenes that I had with Harrison Ford, I'll, I'll never forget. It was really a powerful and beautiful uh, experience. First of all, I love Blade Runner so much. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is one of those films that I saw. How many people have seen the original Blade Runner? Raise your, raise your hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And it, you know, the movie came out, and it was a bomb. Nobody saw it. Yeah. It was a total disaster. And in fact, they told me it just broke even like a, a couple months ago or something. Harrison Ford yeah. told me that. <laughs> I got my first check finally, you know, or like $2 <laughs> or something. I don't know. But it was huge on VHS and a lot a of us saw it. it. A cult yeah, a cult classic. But I saw the movie a hundred times and it really taught me about what's possible in cinema. It taught me about acting and filmmaking and writing and set design and uh, cinematography. Like, wow, that's what's possible, especially in the world of science fiction, which I think is usually so underserved. I think like the bar is pretty low for a lot. And I, I always wish there was, there was more science fiction and more that, that reached a little further. That's why I appreciate being a part of this film as well. They also, it was the first place, those visions of the future and sort of the Asian, yeah. rainy, so many films after it copied yeah. that. And yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I think for me, like I said before, Blade Runner or Star Wars, mm-hmm. it, uh, which I loved as a kid too, but this speaks to me as, as uh, you know, a young adult and beyond. Because what's the difference between those films? I think that Star Wars is um, more of a space opera. It's a fantasy film. And I think what's interesting about Blade Runner is it's more pure science fiction. Uh, I think everything in it is possible. And, and, and I think that makes it, it makes it really exciting. I mean, even, you know, how connected you were to, uh, you, you know, we're talking about a fictional film here mm-hmm. about the idea that someone would kill a raptor. And I, I would call like it an iPhone. Right I know, I know. I can, I, I'm getting that. I got it when I walked on the stage, character. You should have worn the, the eyes and stuff <laughs> like that. That would have been freaky. I have to say, you know, the movie, as brutal as it may be, which I'm sensing it is, I haven't seen it yet, it was a it really incredible and beautiful group of people that worked really, 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 really hard because they felt like they had an opportunity to bring something to life that was special and continue a story. They, I think they all felt a certain responsibility to do uh, Ridley and Hampton and, and, and the novel and everything justice. Yeah. And, and the director? If you want to say anything about the, the director. The most lovely person I've ever worked for. I mean, he's absolutely incredible. I would do anything for him. And, I mean, he's one of the reasons I I, I was absolutely had to be a part of this. What he's, did you think of Arrival? I loved it. I loved it. I watched it again just recently, uh, and I absolutely loved it. I mean, I, I like to think about, you know, what tomorrow will bring and, and uh, to consider the possibilities. And I think a film like Blade Runner 2049 and... It's it's that sort of thing. It's yeah. it's uh, compels us to think. I mean, it's wild. Like uh, movies, books, paintings, they change us. 
you know, I, I think my life is different now because I've discovered Andy Warhol mm-hmm. or I listened to the Rolling Stones or I saw Blade Runner when I was a kid. You know, it changed who I am. And I love that possibility in film. I think it's a, it's a, it's a lofty uh, goal, but it's wonderful um, to provoke or to inspire or even to make someone laugh. You know, certainly we could all use more of that in the times that we're living in. Absolutely. Yeah. Last question, what's 2049 going to look like? I pr- much different than the film, I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because it's impossible to... What would you like it to look like? I'd like it to look like uh, a place that's filled with a lot less violence, uh, a place that's filled with a lot more understanding and kindness and uh, a place where rather than people getting online and tearing each other down, that maybe they would uh, reach out and support or lift someone up and reach out a hand. I think that would be a a wonderful future. And what gadget do you want? You have to say a gadget. Uh, I would like a gadget. Yes, if you're out there and you're you're looking at what to invest in, please invest in any company that, that... can help alleviate pain because I suffer from a back pain for the past seven months, but there are other people who have greater pain than me. And it's such a, it's an attainable goal to end pain. Uh, and, and I think that, that there should be some more research and development without the use of these horrific, shitty drugs that are out there, but to really find a way to end pain for people, that would be a good one. So get to work, guys. All right. Everybody, Gerald Leto, fantastic job. Thank you. Thanks to Jared Leto for joining me on stage. And thank you to the Alamo Drafthouse in San Francisco for hosting us. If you enjoyed this interview and are new to Recode Decode, then you should subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or just visit recode.net slash podcasts. And make sure to check out our other podcasts. Peter Kafka hosts Recode Media, where he talks to the smartest and most interesting people in the media world. Lauren Good and I host Too Embarrassed to Ask, where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you'll find audio from Recode's live events, including the Code Conference. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Recode Decode. Thanks also to Cadence 13, the company that distributes this show, including Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you to our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here at my usual time on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then. Hi, this is Dan Fromer, Editor-in-Chief at Recode. I'm here to tell you about a new project we just launched, the Recode 100, and ask for your help. We're trying to make a list of the people in the tech and business world who made the biggest impact this year, the winners of 2017. Executives, entrepreneurs, movement starters, designers, whoever, primarily in tech media and commerce, but also some of our new focus areas like transportation, policy, and robotics. We'll unveil the full list and throw a big party for the winners later this year, but for now, we need your nominations. So if you know someone who kicked ass this year or is a rising star in their field, head to recode.net slash submit by Monday, October 16th to nominate someone and for more information. That's recode.net slash submit.